You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. Oh, you want to do it here? What is going on, Uncanceled? How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for tuning in. It's good to be back. Two weeks off. We got Thanksgiving, and then last week they just had some stuff going on in the impact room. Yeah, a little sneaky one. Uh, But uh, (laughs) we just had some uh, stuff going on in the impact room, but we're back. We're here. We're ready to go. We're ready to dial it up. Today, I'm going to talk to you guys about... eh, I'll save it. Yeah. I'm so excited for this one. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, no. First, I'll save first it. First try to. I'll save <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, you know the deal. Here we go. It is time to rate, rate that, that Oreo. Oreo. Ooh. Yeah, I like almost forgot to put it yeah, down. You like how it hopped right, Yeah, no, it was good because I almost forgot to put it down. All right, all right. What do down. we got today, Ben? Um, this is a, uh, a white... <laughs> Or not wait. A green grape and peach Oreo from an Asian country. See if see if PJ can decipher it. There's not one word <laughs> on the back that huh. is in English. Well there's www.mdlz.cn. That's in English. Or not really, but Should like Should I go there? Should I go to that website? Yes. Can I go to that website? Try it out. Let's see. Is it? Is it www.mdlz.cn. Mdlz.cn. Yeah, it's yes. just not there. It's just, it's just, it's just not, not, not coming up. Uh, but um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this, this goes. This looks like Japanese, not Chinese. Like, like the it. figure actually looks like ja- like the the symbols look Japanese, not Chinese. Ever heard of a muscat grape? Because that's what we have. A muscat grape. It's China. Mm, see, <laughs> uh, it's okay. <laughs> sorry. All right. See what we do. See what we do. It was between this one and and one that will almost definitely be good. And I was like, you know what? What? Whoa, that's that's like very like strong sour candy kind of punch. It's like kind of like almost like a laffy taffy. Yeah, or like, sure. Like I've had this before. You know what I mean? Yeah, like in no, like a sour right, right, can- right. in like a sour candy form for sure. Interesting. Mus- oh, muscat grape. It is white. The what? Yeah, it's 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 white the cream. Both sides? Yes. Okay, that's actually uh, a dub. It might be more of a greenish tint. I don't see it at all, bro. Maybe that's well, just from the I don't think so. I respect China for this. Whoa. Keep the food dyes out of our food. Sure. I like it. False I'm advertising okay though. Yeah. But it hey. is false advertising, right. but hey, it's China. All right. Let's go ahead and have a taste. No. <laughs> this is awful. 
Oh, oh so <laughs> sour, bro. Why is this sour? I'm going to have the rest of it. I don't think I'm going to have the rest of it. Wow. That is... This is so weird. Unredeemably bad. Mm, that shit grew on me a second time. Stop. No. No, it didn't. It, it did. did. That, like... I didn't get any of the flavor from what I smell. <laughs> Ugh. It's like I, I bit it and it just turned to chalk. You know, I'm not as down on it as you are. That's insane. Ugh. It's not great. You're not going to make me eat the second half of this Oreo. It's not great, but I it's not like as bad as you're No. Give me the dip. It's not great, but it's not as bad as Stop. my first bite was. I got grape the second time around. I, I tasted it. I... It, it's it's sour, and I just don't think Oreo should be sour. That's th that that's my biggest contention here. Um, I didn't like that the back of my that like I felt like I was eating something sour when it was an Oreo. That's th that's you a really big problem felt that me. way. Like when you eat a sour patch kid, sure, that wasn't that. No, no, not, certainly not like taste wise. Not. But just like the the sourness. No, I, I don't think it's that sour, but I do think it has an element of sourness to it. I do. I, I don't. I, let's just put it this way: Would I ever eat them again? No. Like like never again in my life. You think life. it was the peach or the grape that was sour? Um, it had to be had to be the grape. Yeah. So maybe in the second bite you got more peach. Maybe I tasted the grape in my second bite. I don't know. I just don't think an Oreo should be this flavor. Man, that's really bad. I, like, for me, I didn't even, like, taste anything. It was just like somebody handed me a stick of sidewalk chalk and just said, take a bite. And that's just all that I got. I'll be honest with you. I feel like every Oreo I've had from China has tasted like that. Yeah. Like every Oreo. My, my immediate thought, too, was, like, um, maybe the blueberry ice cream one that we had. Oh, sure, sure. Just, absolutely, like, it's just absolutely. Absolutely. Like, it just doesn't have a good yep. mouth feel. Yep. No, I, I I agree. I, I, know, this, I these Oreos do, do not have a good feel. It actually might be because they're not as bad for you as the Ameri as American Oreos. <laughs> like Maybe. honestly, but also let's, the, let's like, check the ingredients. <laughs> yeah, I think it says. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what it says. Yeah, me it could neither. say anything. Could say anything, but it says this Oreo really doesn't taste good. <laughs> That's what it, it says. It says that in Mandarin Chinese. That's what Whew. it says it in. Yeah. For, all right. I got a rating. I'm ready to go. <coughs> ben, you go first. We could do it at the same time. Yeah. Do you have it locked in? Yeah. Is it better than an actual Oreo? <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> yeah, certainly not. I think that I'd rather have... 12, I'd rather have one box of regular Oreos, the six-pack, than have 12 boxes of these things. It's not even comparable. Like, I wouldn't, let, like, like it, I wouldn't even care if I was offered more quantity of, the, uh, of these. That's how much more I like regular Oreos. I'd rather have, like, a dollar. One. Yeah, a dollar. A bag of chips. Paid $8 for these, too. Yeah, unacceptable. Terrible. All, All right. right, ready? Yeah. Three... Two, 
One. Zero. Four. I, I, I can't give it... I can't give it a he single said zero. point. He said zero. I can't that give it a so single crazy. point. Oh my it's gosh. It's terrible, This is the worst dog. Oreo you've ever had before, it, huh? Bro, take another bite of that thing. I it's not a zero. To, it's man. not a zero. Was it better? <laughs> it's a little bit better. <laughs> it was a little better. I told you. It was wait, a little better. Wait. How did they do that? Yeah. How did they do that? Because I got like more of the actual flavor. That's what I'm saying. How did they do that? The second bite got me up. I would have first bite. I would have been at a two. Second bite got me to a four. How did they do that? I, I don't know, man. Like, like, d d does that increase your rating or not really? Yeah. Uh, I'll give it a one. <laughs> Okay, so at least it, it, it like made the scoring system. That's good. Wow. That's weird, but hey, still bad. You should try them just to see what they taste like one time. It's worth it one time. I guess so. It's worth it one. It's not like, I will say it's not disgusting. That's not the word. That My I'd first use. bite, I was disgusted. Wow. But. My aftertaste is not great right now. But anyway, thanks for tuning in to Rate, rate That. that. Oreo. Oreo, see you next time. Let's go to the Bible teaching. Oreo. And, well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Uncancelled podcast on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you listen to it, it too. But today I want to talk to you guys about something that I think is like the greatest, the greatest question as a faith teacher that I get. Anytime you talk about faith or healing or miracles or God's desire to like heal you or to bless you or whatever, as a faith teacher, you'll, you'll teach that and people will snap around and if they know anything about the Bible or if they've been in religion long enough, they say, what about Job? What about Job? And Here's, here's what happened when I was in Bible school. I'll tell you a story. Evangelist Wesley Augre and I were talking at Bible school. I was a freshman. I was still, you know, learning. He was a sophomore, obviously still learning. We're both still learning. But I was, like, very new to some theological concepts and stuff. And I said to Evangelist Wesley, I said, Wesley, I, I want to believe the way that, that you believe in the way that, you know, I believe that, I think that this is what the Bible teaches. I really do. But one of my things is like, what about Job? This was the best response I ever got. He said, what about him? And I thought it was such a funny response because it's true. Nothing about Job cancels anything having to do with God's desire to heal you, bless you, or anything like that. It does not change in the book of Job. However, some people have misunderstood and misinterpreted the book to mean things that it does not mean. Let's set us let's let's just like do some setting for Job, ready? Some context, some background. All right? Job takes place pre any covenant. That's the first thing you have to understand about Job. Job takes place prior to even the uh covenant uh in the book of Exodus with with um with Israel 
and Moses. It takes place before that. Most scholars place Job right around the patriarchal period with Abraham. They, they usually say it's like right around Genesis chapter 10, 11 is that Job takes place. So that's like right around the time, maybe even before Abraham even received his covenant from God. So there's no covenant at this point between God and people. There's no covenant. Second thing to understand about Job is that Job does not even know God, even close to the way that we know him now. Job does not have great understanding about God and who he is. Here's why. We have an entire book of who God is and what his character is. We have it right here. I could, anytime people say, well, I just wish God would speak something to me. I say, open up and read because he's got a chapter right here for you that he already has spoken to you. Let me encourage you with that real quick. Anytime you want a word from the Lord, go to his word that he's already written and read it and God will speak to you through his word. Amen. God has a word for you every single day in his word. Uh, Not that God can't speak to you outside of it, but he always has a word for you in his word. Amen. (coughs) Excuse me. That Oreo just, you know, is uh, just still on my tongue. It's, it's not, not going great. Anyway, Job doesn't have the same understanding of God that we do. Job only knows about God, uh, what, he has, uh, what he has experienced in his life. And Job also has no concept of the devil either. The concept of the devil is not, is not great in the life of Job. Job doesn't really understand much about the devil. And the idea of the devil is not really greatly developed until the New Testament. In fact, people think that the Bible has a lot to say about the devil and demons and that the God, you know, the Bible's very concerned about the devil. When in reality, the Bible's really not all that concerned with the devil. The Bible's not really all that concerned about the devil. Yes, the devil is the adversary. Yes, the devil will try to, you know, bring about bad in the earth, all that type of stuff. But but now, especially in the New Testament, we have Christ and the devil is defeated. Amen. But Job doesn't really understand the devil very well. He doesn't understand the devil very well either. The concept of the devil is not fully developed and understood at this point. Job doesn't understand God completely at this point. Obviously, nobody really completely understands God, but Job doesn't have the great understanding of who God is. And many people will say that they view their life or, you know, if something goes wrong in their life, they will say that they're having a Job trial in their life or that they identify with Job and just like Job, you know, God is doing this to me as well and all this type of stuff. But something to understand about Job's trial first and foremost is that it lasted three to 18 months. Job's trial lasted three to 18 months. That's the most they say it lasted was 18 months. The least that I've heard is three. I think three is too short. 18 seems to be the most accurate. Furthermore, Job lived 140 years. So Job had a bad period in his life of 18 months, but he had another 100 and what would that be? 138 and a half years of his life. So he had a hundred, he had an 18 month period that wasn't so great. And he had 138 and a half period of his life beyond that. And everybody likes to focus on the 18 months that he had the difficulties in his life. When in reality, there is other life that Job, Job lived outside of that that was actually very blessed and very good. And we're going to get into that in a second. But just to help you understand 
Job a little bit because maybe some of you are watching and you're like, I don't even know who Job is. I have no idea what you're talking about. Job was a guy in the Bible that was righteous, that was, uh, you know, pleasing to the Lord in the way that he lived his life and he wanted to honor God in the best way that he could without the word of God. And again, pre-covenant. And he honored the Lord. He was a righteous man. And basically what happened is a bunch of bad stuff happened in his life. He was, he got sick. He, uh, you know, had family members, uh, die, uh, you know, a bunch of bad stuff happened in the life of Job. And many people, when bad things happen in their life, they'll say, you know, I'm kind of just like Job right now. And, you know, I'm going through a Job season in my life. And, you know, they'll say things like, you know, well, God doesn't always want to heal everybody because what about Job? And, you know, sometimes God will kill family members and stuff like that, you know, just because it's his time to take them, take them home, even though they're only five years old. And so God kills people and stuff like that. And it's because of the book of Job is the reason why people will often refer to that book. Well, let's go into Job. Go to Job. We're going to be in it for a little bit. Go to the book of Job. We're going to start in chapter one, and we're going to break this thing down. If you don't know where the book of Job is, the book of Job is right before Psalms. (coughs) Let's start here. Why did all these things happen to Job? Here's the first thing to know about the book of Job. God removed his hand of protection from Job. God removed his hand of protection from Job. Don't, and, and let me just stop right here and say this. Don't apply that to your life, that God might sometimes remove his hand of protection from you. We'll talk about that in a second. Job 1, verse 6. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, uh, uh, is answered the Lord. I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that goes on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you ever noticed or have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Now let me stop. Let me stop here real quick. Many people will attribute this, that God is sitting there in heaven and he's wanting bad things to come on Job because he offers Job up as a suggestion to Satan. I have heard it taught uh, with the understanding that it's not that God is suggesting Job, it's rather that God, it un, God knows that Satan has set his sights on Job to attack him. Think about it. God is omniscient. He knows all things. And so when he says, have you considered my servant Job? God already knows the answer to that question. He knows that Satan has considered his servant Job. God doesn't need to ask Satan whether or not he's done it or not. He, he already knows in his omniscience, in his all-knowingness, that's what the word omniscient means, that he has considered Job. And so I've heard people say that in the Hebrew, and I'll be honest with you, I have not studied this out. This is just teaching that I've heard from other people in this specific instance that God is saying in the, in the original Hebrew, uh, I know you've set your sights on my servant Job. I know you've set your sights on my servant Job. And I believe that to be plausible because of the fact that Job, um, uh, because God knows everything. He's omniscient. So why would he ask uh, the Satan a question he doesn't know the answer to? He knows the answer. When God asks you a question, he already knows the answer to it. 
You're not going to surprise God with your answer. He knows how you're going to answer. You still have a choice to answer the way you're going to answer, but God already knew what you were going to choose. Verse 9, Satan replied to the Lord, yes, okay, there you go. Satan had considered Job. God already knew that. But Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Many people view this first and foremost. They view this as, see, sometimes God will let bad things happen to you. But here's something to understand. God removed his hand of protection from Job. But here's the thing. This cannot happen to a covenant believer. This cannot happen to the, a covenant believer. In the, Job was pre-covenant, pre-any covenant. This cannot happen to a covenant believer. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, it says that we live in a better covenant with better promises. The Bible further tells us that we live in a covenant that has been ratified with the blood of Jesus Christ. With the blood of, not with, the book of Hebrews tells us, not with animal sacrifices, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ has made it that anyone that chooses to stay within that covenant is under the protection of God. How do I know that we're under the protection of God? How do I know that God will protect, will protect us? Two scriptures, Mark 16. You can turn there if you'd like to. It says that you will tread on, on uh, snakes and scorpions and they will not harm you. You will drink deadly things. It won't harm you. The Bible tells us about the hand of protection of the Lord that will be upon those who serve him and are in covenant with him. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells us, and I am with you even to the end of the age. We live in a different covenant that Job did not live in. We live in a covenant that has better promises. We live in a covenant ratified by the blood of Jesus. And so even uh, as long as we stay within that covenant, as long as we have decided to put ourselves under that covenant, then we are under the protection of God and God cannot, God cannot remove his hand from us. He cannot. The only way that we can be out from under the protection of God is if we walk out from that protection ourselves. In this situation, Job didn't do anything wrong to walk outside the covenant of God. God, God removed his hand of protection. He did, but this cannot happen in the, in the life of a New Testament believer. In fact, Job even says, if only there was a mediator between God and man, if only there was someone that can bring us together. And that's what Job says. Well, I have good news for you. In the book of Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy, I believe, it says that there is a one mediator between God and man, the man himself, Christ Jesus. We have a mediator between God and man. And so we have the mediator that Job did not have, that those things would not have come upon Job if he was living in, a, in the New Testament covenant with God. If he was living in that covenant, these things would not have come upon him because of the blood of Jesus Christ and because of the mediator of Jesus Christ that stood in the gap for us. 
But notice this too. The devil was the one who was doing the attacking, not God. That even in the text we read, it's the devil that was the one that was going to do the attacking, not God. It says, do whatever you want with everything he possesses. This is God saying to Satan. This is not God being the one that is doing it. It is Satan that is the one that is doing the attacking. The devil is the one, as the Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil is the one that is stealing, that is killing, and that is destroying. It is not God that is doing that work. It is the devil that is doing it to him. God does not do those types of things in the lives of people that are in covenant with him. God does not do that. God does not do that to righteous people. People will argue this though, but yeah, Pastor Joey, but God allowed it. God allowed it to happen. Let me just say this. First off, I already dealt with the fact that God would not remove his hand of protection from people that are in covenant with him, especially in this new covenant that we live in. God would not remove his hand of protection from us uh, like that. But you never should base anything on God allowed. You should never base anything on God allowed. First off, God allowed is often an excuse and a cop-out that people use in situations. You know, they'll say, you know, well, you know, I lost my job, but I know God allowed it for it to happen because nothing happens without God allowing it uh, to, to take place. And here's the truth in that is that God has given us free will and God has allowed free will. And in that sense, God has allowed us to have free choice to be able to do it with uh, whatever we want to do. However, that doesn't mean that in every single specific instance that God is allowing every specific thing. God is not sitting there in heaven allowing and uh, allowing and not allowing every little thing that is happening. God has allowed free will. The Bible says that the heavens uh, are the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but the earth he has given to the sons of man. There is a free will that we have when we are here on earth that God has allowed for us to have while we're here on earth, that we can make whatever decision that we want, that we are not forced to do anything. There is a free will. So in that sense, God, yeah, he, he's allowed us to have free will. But God doesn't allow us to, uh, God doesn't just uh, uh, allow every specific bad thing that comes in our life. Like he's sitting in heaven saying, yeah, I'll allow them to have cancer and I'll allow them to have this. But watch this. You should never base anything on God allowed. God will allow you to rob a bank. That doesn't mean it was his will. God will allow you to rob a bank. It doesn't mean that it's his will. God will allow you to go murder, murder someone right now, but that doesn't mean that it's his will. People often confuse God's allowance of free will with his will, but that's not the case. God's not, in 2 Peter 3, 9, God's not willing that anybody uh, perish, but that everybody come to repentance. Okay, God's will, everybody be saved. Ready? But people don't always get saved. Well, did God allow them to not be saved? Yeah, he gave them a free choice. But that doesn't mean that it was his will. That doesn't mean that it was his will. Uh, that it was his will. You know, it, it's kind of like this. My will would be for my, if I have a student at impact and they have a test to study for, or I have a student at Faith Prep, that would be a better example because I teach at Faith Prep, the school that we have here. My will would be for the student to study for the test. But here's the thing, I can't force them to do it, 
And because uh, they have a free choice to be able to choose to do it or not. And just because they choose not to study doesn't mean that it was my will that they did not study. It's the same thing with God. You should not base anything on what God allowed. You should base things on what God's will is. God's will is. Do I want to say that now? No, I don't. I'm going to wait. So that's the first thing we have to realize is that God removed his hand of protection from Job, which is something that could not happen to a new covenant believer. Second, understand the statements of Job. The, here's something to understand about the Bible. The Bible always records the truth, but is not always trying to teach doctrine. Let me say that again. The Bible always records the truth, but it is not always trying to teach doctrine or things that, or things that are, are, uh, are true. Example, case in point. If I have a conversation with Ben and I say, yeah, God is unfaithful. The Bible would record, Joey Santora said, God is unfaithful. That does not mean that the Bible is trying to teach us that it is true that God is unfaithful. It is just recording the truth of the fact that I said that God is unfaithful. But if you read throughout the word of God, you see that God is faithful and that is who his character is. The Bible is not always trying to teach doctrine. Some, it's always trying to teach us something. Don't be confused because in that example, it would be a learning moment to say, don't be like Joey. Don't say that God is not faithful. So the Bible is always recording the truth of what happened in every situation. I'll give you another example. The life of David. David really did sleep with Bathsheba. David really did have an affair. David really did murder somebody. But should we apply to our lives that it's a good idea for us to have an affair and kill somebody? No. It was wrong for him to do that. In fact, the Bible even shows the consequences of what happens in David's life. The Bible always records the truth, but it's not always trying to teach you to do what the person said or what the person said in dialogue. Sometimes it's actually trying to show you the opposite. So let's go back to this. If Job says something that is not consistent with the rest of scripture, we know that it's not doctrine. We know that it's not true about the character of God. So ready, here's one that, that people like to, like to throw out there. Job 1, verse 21. He said, uh, this is Job speaking, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I have, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Or, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I can hear it right now. Uh, that, that song, he gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. And it's like everyone's like crying at the altar. Yes, God, you gave it, you took away. God, I know that. I know, God, that I had a five-year-old child, but Lord, you took him away. Yes, God. That's not what that, that's not correct. That is an incorrect statement about God that he gives and takes away. But watch this. Job did not have proper understanding about who God was. Job did not get who God was. He did not understand it. So actually what Job said was not sinful and not wrong because Job did not understand God. He did not fully get God. In fact, later on, actually I'll get to that in a second. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Job 
But here's what the purpose of the devil was. Here's what the purpose of the devil was. Remember, in Job chapter 1, the purpose of the devil was to get Job to curse God. Verse 11, Job 1.11, but reach out and take everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The goal of the devil was to get Job to curse God. That was the goal of the devil. And here's why this matters. While Job's statement about God is completely inaccurate about God, that God sits there in heaven and gives and takes away, we actually know that it's false because we know the devil was the one who was doing it. It clearly shows us in verse 12 that the devil is the one that is doing it, not God. So we know that it wasn't God giving and taking away. And so that's, that's actually scripturally inaccurate to say that God gives and takes away. Job was saying that because that was his understanding of God because he didn't really fully understand God. But watch this. Here's where people think that it was a good thing that Job said that. And they would say, well, Pastor Joey, this is the next verse after that. Verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Listen to that again. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Ready? That's right. Job did not sin because what he said was not sinful. It was how he understood it because he didn't have a revelation of who God was. He did not sin because what was the goal of the devil? To get him to curse God. He did not curse God in this situation. In fact, he thought he was saying a good thing. He said uh, that he was praising the Lord, that he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. He thought he was saying a good thing, but he didn't fully understand the situation. Actually, I'm going to throw it in there at this point, just because I need to. In fact, at the end of Job, Job says that he spoke of things that he didn't understand. So Job even admits at the end that he said things, that he spoke of things that he did not understand. Too wonderful for me. Well, we'll actually read that scripture later on. But Job was speaking in ignorance, but he still said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He did not curse the Lord, even though what actually specifically happened, I actually want to look back and see. What happened? Okay, that's what happened. His cattle got killed. Basically, his livestock got killed and he lost a bunch of cattle and stuff like that. And that's what ended up happening. And that was like basically like part of his wealth. And so that's that's what had just happened. And that's what Job said. Let's deal with another statement of Job. Ready? Verse 10. Actually, let's start in verse 8. Job scraped his skin with a piece of pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you trying to, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. So what was the objective again of the devil in this situation? The devil using Job's wife, that Job would curse God and die. That is what the plan of the devil was for Job, for him to curse God and die. Just like I read to you in Job, uh, in Job, in Job 111, that he was to curse God. So the plan the devil was for him to curse God and die. What had just happened? I actually want to look and see what happened. The, the enemy attacked his health in this situation. That's what happened. The enemy attacked, attacked his health. And so, but Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Ready? Let's deal with it again. Was Job correct in the fact that God was the one that was doing this. No, it was the devil that was doing it. 
But Job didn't do anything wrong because he did not curse the Lord the way the devil had intended him to do it. So it is not proper for us to sit there and preach a sermon. Let me, I'm just here to talk to you about today about the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Hallelujah. And I'm just here to talk to you about today that we should accept good and bad things from God. You know, sometimes God will just, you know, take away your health. How many of you are thankful for that in this house today? And if you're here with a sickness today, just here to accept it from the Lord. That's not of God. That's not correct. Job was speaking ignorantly of things he did not know, but he did not sin because he did not understand. And he did not curse God the way the devil had planned him, uh, planned for him. To curse, curse God. Okay, next. Actually, I want to actually make this clear. Many people will say that Job said nothing wrong in the entire time that he uh, was going through his trial. They'll say, Job didn't ever say anything wrong, Pastor Joey. Job didn't say anything wrong the entire time. I can't believe that you're saying that what he said about God was incorrect. I already showed it to you. But actually, that's not true. At the beginning, Job did not sin or did not say anything wrong. He didn't say anything that was not okay to say. Uh, he said what he said based on ignorance and without understanding. But watch this. Go to Job 19, verse 6. Oh, I went too far. Job 19, verse 6. Ready? This is Job speaking. But it is God who has wronged me. But it is God who has wronged me, capturing me in his net. Even people that think that God was the one that did all this stuff and this is what God's will is for your life would agree that even if they think that God was doing all that stuff to you, that you should not say God has wronged me. They would agree. They would say, no, God's not wronging you. It's for your good, yada, 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 that God's always doing it for your good, even if it looks bad. They would never say that it's okay to say that God has wronged me. But that's exactly what Job says here that God has wronged me. So obviously we can see here by this statement that it is possible for Job to say something about God that is not correct. That is incorrect doctrinal teaching, but he really said it. This is the proof right here. People say, well, I don't know about all that. If Job really said it, I think that that's really just what God is trying to teach us, that that's his character. Well, I guess then God is trying to teach us that sometimes in life he wrongs us and that he's the one in the wrong. That he's the one in the wrong, which is obviously not true. Go to Job chapter 9, verse 21. I don't know if I want to read this text or not. I'm going to look and see. Job chapter 9, verse 21. Ah, yeah, I will read it. Ready, Job going off again. I am innocent, but it makes no difference to me. I despise my life. Innocent or wicked, it is all the same to God. Hmm. That's why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. Hmm. When a plague sweeps through, he laughs at the death of the innocent. Hmm. Does that sound like God? That God is sitting there in heaven? Ha <laughs> ha. All these righteous and innocent people are dying from this plague that I sent upon them to kill them. Does that sound like the God we serve throughout the rest of scripture? That the Bible, it's not, that's not even the God in the book of Job. 
It's not, I'll prove it to you in a second. That's not even the God in the book of Job. The God is the same God from Genesis to Revelation. He does not change. He is the same God with the same will to bless and to prosper his people. That is not God. Clearly, Job is speaking incorrectly. God does not sit there. In fact, in Malachi, it tells us that there is a distinction in Malachi chapter 3 that you will once again see a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. There is a distinction to God between those who are innocent and blameless before him and those who are not. We see that throughout all of scripture. So let me ask you a question. Is this really who God is? And does the scripture contradict itself? Or is Job just speaking like a fool that does not understand? It's one or the other. I'm telling you, the Bible is recording the truth of what Job said without trying to teach us the truth about who God is. That is not God. God is not a malicious God that is excited that that people that are just and righteous before him are going through terrible things. Yes, I'm so excited that this pastor has cancer. (laughs) Ha ha. That's not God. That's not who he is. That's not his character. So you, so the second thing is you got to understand statement, the statements of Job. Third, did you know that Job actually gets a rebuke? Job gets a rebuke. People miss that. Job gets lit into in Job 38 through 41. And we're going to read all three chapters. I'm just kidding. No, we're not. Go to Job chapter 40. We're going to read that. Job gets the snot rebuked out of him for the way that he begins to act. Understand this. I want to be clear. I do not believe the Bible teaches that Job sinned in anything that he did to deserve what happened to him. I do not believe that. That Job was a righteous man. The Bible says he was blameless, that he was righteous. I 100% uh, believe that. But eventually over time, as the trial went on, Job started to say some stuff he shouldn't say and God rebuked the snot out of him for it. Job 40. Then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's, God's critic, but do you have all the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already, and I have nothing more to say. Look at what Job says. This is at the end of the book. I have said too much already. I have said too much already. And watch this. Not only does Job get a harsh rebuke, but Job repents for what he has to say. Job repents. Go to Job 42, verse 1 through 6. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said and sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. I don't really even know if there's much explanation that is provided. That was pretty clear that Job says, Job says, I knew nothing about 
the thing, uh, nothing, I, I knew nothing about, uh, or, th- I, or I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. Okay, he was th- talking about stuff he didn't understand. He didn't know nothing about. And then he says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Now he understands. Now he gets it. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Job didn't do anything wrong in the entire time in his trial. How many of you guys know that, you know, Job didn't do anything wrong at all? Really? Why repent then? If he didn't do anything wrong, there's no need to repent. But he says that he's going to sit in dust and ashes to show his repentance. But watch this. And I love this. Note this. When the devil was involved, there was nothing but curses, sickness, and poverty. But when God was involved, there was blessing, health, and restoration. When the devil was involved, there was bad stuff. When God was involved, there was good stuff. We established that the devil was the one doing the bad. Now watch this. God is the one who is doing the good. Ready? Job 42 verse 10. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers and sisters and former friends. Actually, let me stop. start here. When Job prayed for his friends, Job's friends at the beginning of the book began to tell Job that the reason why all this bad stuff happened to him is because he sinned. And we already established that's not the reason all this bad stuff happened to him. They all, in fact, his friends told him that he was doing something wrong. And that's the reason why this stuff had come upon him and that he needed to repent. Job's friends were wrong. And so Job uh, prayed for his friends because God was angry for, with them for saying that the reason why these things came upon Job is because uh, Job did something wrong because Job did not do anything wrong to bring it upon them. He did things wrong later with what he said in the middle of his trial, but not to bring it upon him. So Job actually interceded for his friends uh, before the Lord. And the fact that Job chose to do that and he stopped focusing on himself and stopped feeling sorry for himself and started praying for his friends, God saw that and God blessed him because of it. That's what, that's what happened. But watch that. The Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials that were brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. A gift of money and, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, And a gold ring. All the trials that, that, that were brought against him. People... Uh, and understand this is that it's not that it's not that the Lord was sitting up there in heaven and that the Lord was dictating the trials that were taking place uh, in his uh, in his life that the Lord was sitting there that was that was going you know let me you know uh, do all these things to him but the Lord did take his hand of protection off of Job and allow these things to happen that did happen in the Bible uh, that's why it says the Lord that the Lord had brought against him is that it wasn't saying that the Lord did those things to him, but rather the Lord removed his hand of protection from upon him. Because that is true. The Lord did remove his hand of protection from upon him. But I want you to, to get this. Ready? Get this. If you, uh, if you identify with Job's sufferings, you must identify with his blessings. 
If you identify with Job's sufferings, you must identify with Job's blessings. Well, you know, I'm just, you know, going through a Job season right now. Yeah, you know, life is hard. Oh, well, there must be a big blessing coming for you. Well, it must not last longer than 18 months. Well, you're probably going to get double then for everything that you got. Because if you identify with Job's sufferings and apply that to you, you must also apply his blessing to you. So here's the reality, though, is that when God was involved, there was blessing. When God was involved, there was blessing. Yeah, the Lord removed his hand. Yeah, all those bad things came upon him. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, it says that the Lord had brought against him. Yeah, it says all that type of stuff. But remember, in a new covenant believer, God will not remove his hand of protection for you because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the covenant that we have with him. There's blessing. When God was involved, there was blessing. That's the character of God. That's the character of God. So what can we learn from Job? People will say, well, if we can't learn that, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, God does bad stuff to us. What can we learn from God, uh, uh, from Job? How you respond to difficult situations matters. How you respond to difficult situations matters. Don't blame God. Don't blame God in difficult situations. Don't blame God in difficult situations. Job began to say, uh, Job began to say things, you know, like, you know, it's not fair that, you know, God did this to me, all this type of stuff. Don't blame God when you go through things because it's not God. God does not bring things against righteous people. How you respond to difficult situations matter. When you, when people face difficulties, they do one of two things. They either press, they either press into God or fall away from God because they blame God. Don't do the second thing. Press into God when you go through difficult situations and he will bring you out better than before. Again, uh, another lesson. When the devil was involved, bad things happen. When God was involved, blessing happens. Shows the character of the two. The devil's purpose is to make your life miserable and get you to curse God. Uh, God's uh, purpose in your life is uh, is to bless you, to save you, deliver you. That's what God wants for your life, and that's his will. First and foremost, God's purpose in your life is for you to serve him. But secondly... God will bring blessing in your life. That is what God wants for you. Lastly, your friends matter. Job's friends did not direct him properly. They told him that, you know, well, you know, God maybe wouldn't have done all this stuff to you if you didn't sin. That's not what happened. Again, another evidence that sometimes the Bible records things that are, inco- that are not incorrect, but that are not teaching Bible doctrine. They're true. They're correct. They really happened, but they're not trying to teach Bible doctrine. Because Job's friends were not correct in what they were saying. It it was true that they said it, but it wasn't correct Bible doctrine. Your friends matter though. Surround yourself with friends that really know the word of God and will encourage you properly. I just recently called a friend when I was feeling discouraged and he encouraged me properly in the word of God. And I'm thankful for, for him in my life. But know that this is how you properly interpret the book of Job. People that interpret the book of Job as if God is this terrible, you know, person that delights in the destruction of his people are completely incorrect. Job should not be used as a reason for why God wants to bring all these bad things into your life. So be encouraged by that. What about Job? Next time somebody asks you, what about Job? You could say, what about him? What about Job contradicts the message of faith? What about him? Go ahead. Tell me, 
What about him? Don't listen to people that say, what about Job? Instead, if they actually want to have a conversation, either tell them the truth about the book of Job and the proper understanding, or just direct them to this podcast if you can't phrase it yourself. Direct them right here. I know a lot of people will probably, you know, uh, a lot of people will watch this. I have a feeling a lot of Bible college students will watch this. Uh, and maybe some that, you know, are so happy I did this teaching and they're like, well, my mind is blown. Other people, you know, might watch this that are Bible college students and they'll sit there and they'll, with their predestination and their, you know, Calvinist beard. And, you know, uh, and, you know, what's up with the beards too with the Calvinism, man? They all got beards, every single one of them. And they're unkept and I don't understand it at all. Uh, I, I really don't know. I have nothing against Calvinists. Like, you know, I'm, you know, love you, you know, I hope that you're going to heaven, like, you know, that you know the Lord, all that type of stuff, you know, but it's, it's mostly, the reason why I bring that up is because it's mostly people that, that are Calvinist in their doctrine that, you know, bring up Job or people that are just anti-faith and stuff like that. They'll bring up, you know, Job and the light and the suffering of Job and say, I'm just going through a Job season. I'll tell you this, a lot of people are going through Job seasons for like five years. You talk to them, you know, at the beginning, uh, you, know, you talk to them at the beginning of college and then four years later, they're still going through a Job season. If your season's longer than 18 month, months, it might, it might not be a Job season. It might be that you have bad doctrine. Fix it. Figure it out. Figure it out. If you want to do stuff for the Lord that actually matters and that will make an impact, you have to have good doctrine. I've heard it said that you can overcome uh, th th there is, you can overcome any, anything in, in your life, except one thing you can overcome an, an affair that you have. You can overcome sexual sin. You can overcome and bounce back from, you know, lying, cheating, stealing, all that stuff. You can bounce back from all that stuff. The one thing you can never bounce back from is bad doctrine. Until you fix that, you will not be able to bounce back. People that do stuff that matters for God have faith doctrine that actually believes God for stuff and actually believes the word of God. If you want to matter for God, believe the Bible as believe the Bible as it says. Take God at his word that he is a healer, that I am the Lord that healeth thee. Believe God as someone that prospers, someone that his will is to pour out blessing, that he'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so big you won't have room to take it in. Believe the God of the Bible that he's a holy God and expects us to live a holy life. Believe the God of the Bible don't make up your own stuff just because of the experience that you face. I get it. Maybe you grew up in poverty. Maybe you grew up in sickness. But I'm here to tell you today that that does not have to be you. You don't have to have poverty in your life. You don't have to have sickness in your life. I know that's what you might have experienced. I know you might know a story about somebody that didn't experience that in your life. But what's more important, your experience or the word of God? That's for you to decide. If you decide it's your experience, very well, go for it. But I'm going to trust this word because I believe that this is the word of God. Because the Bible says that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God-breathed, it's the scriptures. Get your doctrine right. 
Get your, I don't know why I'm harping on, I, I feel like a lot of Bible college students are going to be interested in this one because I know that a lot of Bible college students keep tabs on me uh, and, and, and watch what I'm doing because they were in school. When I, when I was a senior, they were a freshman, or when I was a junior, they were a freshman and they looked up to me and such. And I just want to encourage you, if you're a Bible college student watching this, I want to encourage you, get your doctrine right. You can do great things for God, but you got to get your doctrine right. You got to get it right. Get away from that anti-faith garbage that is not going to produce anything in your life. You could even have a lot of people in your church. If you're anti-faith, it's not going to produce. People are going to be dead. They're not going to be alive. They're going to be sick. They're going to be poor, and they're not going to know how to get out of it. Why does that matter? Shouldn't Christ be, be all that matters? Yeah, Christ is all that matters, but Christ paid for your sickness, but Christ uh, wants to bless you, but Christ wants you to live a life of victory so you can bring that victory to other people. The people that have the biggest churches in the world that are actually doing stuff for God are people that believe the faith message. Well, it doesn't matter how big their church is. Doesn't, you know, God doesn't care about how big your church is. Actually, God wants you to produce something. In the book of Acts, God added to their number daily those that are being saved. Actually, if you have a lot of people in your church, that means that you can influence more people for the kingdom of God. That means you could send more people out for the Great Commission. So actually, yeah, it, it actually is a good thing if you have a lot of people in your church and your church is growing. If you are watching this and you're a high school student, let this be important for you to always remember, to be a person of faith that believes the word of God. Never get infected with bad doctrine that comes against, you know, faith and all that type of stuff. If you're an adult watching this and, you know, you, you've, you've been on the fence about this stuff or you've never heard one way or another or you have heard, pick faith. Pick the doctrine of, there is never anything wrong with believing God for more. As long as it doesn't contradict his word, which it doesn't which it doesn't. Believe the doctrine of faith. I plead that with you. I plead that with you. Please. We, we, have, we don't have a lot of time to work. And anti-faith and, you know, hating, you know, healing and, you know, coming against, well, God only heals sometimes. And, you know, sometimes God wants people to be poor. And, you know, sometimes, you know, God does this in our lives and that in our lives that's not good and all this stuff. It's not doing anything. It's not producing. It won't produce much. Yeah, sure, some people might get saved and stuff like that. And that's great. And, I, and that's the most important thing. I get that. But the reality is, is that many people fall away because they, they get saved. They give their life to Jesus Christ. And they're still just as bound as they were before. Yeah, they might be on their way to heaven, and that's great, but they fall away from their they fall away from their Christianity and go back to their former life, worse off than before, because there's no bondage breaking power that they actually experience in their life. I'm just talking at this point because, uh, because I just felt to kind of just keep on going. What about Job? Job does not contradict the message of faith. If anything, it actually encourages it because when God was involved, there was blessing. Amen. Amen. Let me, uh, I'm not going to pray for you just because I, I, I don't feel to pray anything in, in particular. I'm just going to bless you as you go. I pray that this message helped you and encouraged you that God is a good God, that this, that, that you don't have to worry that, you know, maybe there's some scriptures in the Bible that, you know, don't really teach, you know, faith and stuff like that. No, the Bible has the same God that teaches the same thing throughout the entirety of scripture. It does. It does. Amen. Well, God bless you. 
I hope that this teaching helped you. I love you guys. Thankful that you guys tune in. And I hope that you receive from the word today. Uh, See you guys next week. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless.